Well, thank you so much, uh, Sasha, and your whole team for uh, organizing this uh, event. And, and thanks to Lynn and Nina for uh, agreeing to participate. Also to the folks at uh, Verso who published the book and have brought copies here. Um, I want to, in, in my uh, little um, time slot here, just uh, tell you a little bit about the book and why it seemed to make sense to me to collect these papers that go back a good 30 years and, uh, to, uh, now uh, and what, what it might say to us. And I want to just um, start with the cover. Uh, I don't know how many of you have already seen it or can see it from here, but it's the best cover on any book I've ever published by a long shot. And let me tell you um, why. I mean, not only is it very uh, visually uh, striking and appealing, but um, it actually has a real idea. It, it, it's a visual representation of a central idea of the book, and that's not an easy thing to, to do when you're writing books with complicated uh, analytical ideas. So on the front, uh, you see a woman who is wearing a maid's uniform, and she's next to a very institutionally uh, a room that has a sort of institutional feel to it, um, there's a little night table and a lamp and a bed and the, the sort of, I think, assumption here is that she's just finished making this bed. This is a hotel maid at her day job. Turn over the back cover. Here we see the same woman in her own proper civilian clothes standing next to an ironing board. So this is the double shift. She uh, earns her, uh, her wages. Uh, doing housework in a hotel, and then she comes home and does a very similar uh, shift of work uh, for herself and uh, her family and whomever she lives with. So this, uh, this representation of the idea of the double shift um, is important uh, to me, not um, just as a general um, aspect of things, but as a absolutely central constitutive definitive feature above all of the present neoliberal form of capitalism, which depends very, very heavily, much more heavily than any previous form, on women's participation in wage work. Uh, it, uh, it, it's a regime of accumulation uh, that uh, uh, depends importantly on women doing wage work uh, all across the world at many, many uh, levels, from hotel maids to manufacturing work uh, to uh, practicing corporate law and uh, all the way up the professional ladder. Um, this neoliberal form of capitalism, at the same time, continues to depend, as uh, all earlier forms of capitalism have, on women's uh, performing the unpaid labor of social reproduction, or at least the, the lion's share of that labor as well. And it's this uh, dual uh, burden uh, that I think is one of the um, most important stress points in uh, our current um, form of social life especially when you factor in that this same neoliberal form of capitalism 
uh, is insisting on austerity, as it's called, that is on uh, cutbacks of all, uh, at all levels of public provision of, uh, of social services, of uh, uh, all kinds of uh, benefits related to care that uh, had in the previous era um, somewhat uh, lightened the burden of uh, social reproduction. Uh, with these cutbacks, that, uh, that uh, burden is once again squarely on families and especially on women within those families uh, at the exact moment, as I say, when women are expected to uh, do wage work and when they're, um, they are often the sole uh, earners in a family or uh, even if not the sole earners, uh, one whose uh, who's, who's wage contribution is absolutely um, essential. So um, this uh, notion of social reproduction as a, as a kind of stress point and of the shift in the gender order in neoliberal capitalism is a central idea of the book, and I'm delighted that it was represented so well on this cover. Um, this is a shift in the form of uh, capitalism um, and in the gender order and in our ideas about gender and about what a woman's life should be like, uh, what a proper family should look like, uh, and so on. Um, in a nutshell, you could say that an earlier form of capitalism, which I have here in the book subtitle called State-Managed Capitalism, that earlier form uh, idealized the notion of a family that consisted in a single male breadwinner. The ideal would have been a full-time female homemaker, although, of course, even in this uh, state-managed capitalism, um, most men did, never earned enough to support the family single-handedly. So uh, this was more an ideal than in a reality. And I would say today, the sort of, um, the ideal that is being ballyhooed around in neoliberal uh, capitalism is the idea of the two-earner family, as opposed to this older male breadwinner, female homemaker model. Um, once again, that's an ideal. Um, many families do not have uh, two earners, uh, and um, and many many of them actually rely on um, individuals who do two and three jobs of paid work, very low paid paid work, in addition to the social reproduction work. But this, uh, this is an important shift both at the level of social reality and at the level of our thinking about gender and, and about work. And um, one of the most, let's say, uh, provocative uh, ideas in this book is the idea that second wave feminism may have unwittingly contributed a, a, a kind of a legitimation to this new neoliberal gender order insofar as our critique of the family wage and the sexism inherent in the idea of the family wage seems to have 
dovetail to have converged a little too neatly with this neoliberal ideology of let's get women into wage work and, uh, and get rid of uh, the male breadwinner ideal uh, and you know, build this brave new world of, uh, of women doing it all and, uh, and, and the so-called uh, two-earner family. That's um, a provocative claim uh, made here and maybe um, some of the other people sitting up here will have something to say about that. Um, but uh, without saying anything um, too much more about it now, I just want to mention that the, the book is um, divided into three parts. It is, in fact, a collection of essays, as I mentioned and as Sasha mentioned, some of which go back to the 1980s. And I think uh, my idea in bringing these together and publishing them now was um, the thought that um, that this, that, that this unfolding development of my own thought as a feminist theorist and a critical theorist from the early 80s to the present was not so unique and personal to me, but could be read as encapsulating um, a development uh, that was, I think, shared uh, in my generation of feminist theorists, or at least a certain strand of them, uh, who, those who, who thought of ourselves as socialist feminists above all, and that you could actually uh, see something about the history of feminist thought in relation to this big historical shift I just described in the nature of capitalism, which I think is the proper background, the proper context for understanding uh, the development of second wave feminism. I think we can't understand feminism as a movement, what it aspired to, what it accomplished, what it accomplished that it didn't mean to accomplish, um, and what it failed to accomplish. I think we, we can't understand any of that without broadening the canvas, the frame, uh, paying attention not only to all the rich and fascinating internal debates, but to these bigger historical shifts, a, a tectonic shift in the nature of the societies that we live in. So um, I grouped the essays into three parts, and I'll just um, read you the titles to, to give you a, a sense of the, the arc of the, the drama. Um, Part one, act one, you could say, of a drama in three acts, was, uh, is called Feminism Insurgent, Radicalizing Critique in the Era of Social Democracy. And here there are essays from the 80s uh, in which, uh, which illustrate the work that I and, and many others in this socialist feminist current uh, did to try to expose the sexism the gender hierarchies that were built into even the most otherwise egalitarian, and not that they were that all that egalitarian, but even the, the, the best of the democratic welfare states of that era, that era, again, of state-managed capitalism in which uh, 
uh, states uh, took a, um, a more active hand in trying to shape their what was then thought of as their national economies. This all sounds a little bit quaint now, doesn't it, in the, in the light of a neoliberal globalization, but it took a, a, a more active role in trying to promote uh, full employment, at least for men, and, um, and uh, in general, to shape an economy and overcome the boom-bust cycles of earlier uh, forms of laissez-faire capitalism. So here is an attempt to say social democracy, even uh, at its best, um, remains deeply structured by and informed by a set of sexist or patriarchal uh, ideas about gender, and um, here we, we expose that. And I have to say that the mood of these essays from the 1980s is one of uh, idealism, of hope, of a certain kind of confidence that uh, we feminists joining with other democratizing uh, emancipatory movements of the era, we can change the world. And that mood stands, I think, in contrast with the essays in the second part of the book and, and just get the, the title of part two, Feminism Tamed from Redistribution to Recognition in the Age of Identity. And the, these are essays uh, from the 90s principally um, and, uh, and, in, and into the, the 2000s, which um, track the uh, rise of, of for various forms of cultural feminism the sort of uh, tendency to abandon the, the socialist feminist insistence on a critique of the androcentrism of capitalism at the level of, uh, of um, political economy, the tendency instead to focus on the symbolic order, patterns of cultural value, and the forms of androcentric that um, I uh, always understood as pertaining more to the status order than to the political economy of capitalist society. And I tried to argue in these essays that this, this cultural turn, this turn to recognition, uh, in principle represented an important advance. It was a salutary corrective to um, a kind of economism uh, that was familiar in those days uh, in Marxist circles, but also I think one would have to say within socialist feminist circles, or at least some of them. And so it was um, on the one hand, a great breath of fresh air to, to take on board all of the, the various post-structuralist paradigms of discourse analysis and so on and so forth and open up a, a broader terrain. That's the sort of good side, but there was a negative side in my view as well, and that was that instead of this cultural turn serving to enrich and complicate and deepen the socialist feminist critique of political economy and of capitalism's uh, deep structural androcentrism, 
This cultural turn served rather to displace the latter. And so instead of some interesting new combination of political economy and cultural critique, we got, um, I think, this uh, shift from redistribution to recognition, giving up a one-sided economistic paradigm for an equally one-sided culturalistic paradigm. And so there's a, a, a growing um, uh, frustration and anxiety in these essays in part two as I'm struggling to sort of diagnose what's going on uh, and pointing out that, um, that this turn to culture is happening at exactly the moment that the neoliberal critique of social democracy is picking up steam and on its way to becoming hegemonic. So there's that dangerous liaison, that unholy alliance uh, 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 between a, a feminism that's, let's say, fascinated with and perhaps even hypnotized by questions of culture and a neoliberalism that could not be happier to see the, the, the questions of egalitarian uh, distribution and so on off the table. And then that brings me lastly to part three, which is called, with a question mark, Feminism Resurgent, Confronting Capitalist Crisis in the Neoliberal Era. And uh, these are uh, quite recent uh, essays. Uh, and I have to say that um, the crisis, which I consider um, to be um, extremely severe, an extremely complex, a multi-dimensional crisis, which in, involves not just a crisis of finance or even um, real economy, but also an ecological crisis, and as I just mentioned earlier, a crisis in social reproduction, a social crisis, as well as a, a political crisis. We could unpack all of these levels. Um, this is a, a very severe crisis. It is... Um, destroying the livelihoods and wreaking havoc in the lives of billions and billions of people ac across the globe. Um, but if it has a silver lining, I have to say that for me anyway, it was a, a kind of a, a wake-up call that allowed me to concentrate my thinking about feminism and about many other questions. It, it raised the possibility of an act three. If act one is what happens to feminism in the con what it does in the context of state-managed capitalism, and act two is what happens to it in this period of, of a rising neoliberal hegemony, cum cultural turn, then maybe there's an act three. We can imagine a something after neoliberalism, and uh, or at least the possibility of a revived uh, radical feminism that is um, now uh, ready once again to pay attention to the question of capitalism and to, as I said, the deep structural androcentrism of capitalism uh, without in any way um, uh, rejecting or uh, abandoning the insights, the genuine insights of the cultural turn, 
but uh, is now hopefully ready to mobilize those in relation to uh, a, 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 a critique of political economy and of political crisis and of ecological crisis as well. So it, it was the hope that there might be a more optimistic Act Three that gave me the idea of, uh, of uh, you know, putting these uh, essays together, of uh, trying to use them, use my own work to tell a story that, as I want to insist again, is not about me. Uh, the book can be read on more than one level. It can be read, of course, as the, yeah, the um, intellectual trajectory of an individual, but I think it's much more interesting uh, to read it um, as um, something that says something about the history of feminism, or at least of feminist theorizing, uh, that says something about the politics of feminism, the way that um, that theorists position themselves in different contexts uh, as, a, uh, as a reflection of uh, political, the opening of political possibilities, the closing down of political possibilities, and perhaps the reopening of political possibilities, and uh, um, as a... Um, some kind of a, of a historical uh, uh, document uh, as such. At least that's my hope, and um, I'm delighted to be here with you um, to discuss these ideas and the, the more general questions uh, that we're uh, concerned with here as to the future of feminism starting now. Thank you.